Welcome to Bubbles and Books, a podcast about two of the best things in life, books and champagne, brought to you by Amanda and Ellen, co-owners of your local independent bookstore, Dog-Eared Books in Ames, Iowa. First, give me a cheers. Okay, we're ready. And books are sexy. So I'm going to start by saying that this is a very special episode of Bubbles and Books <laughs> because we currently have probably the most like sought after famous person in town right now in we the doghouse. It's true, it's true. Um, people <laughs> used to joke just, about just just right now within yeah, this right? hour. Yeah, and just this hour. hour yeah. You are you will be for <laughs> on Wednesday, at least till when you are. Yeah, Wednesday at <laughs> noon. If George Xiang comes into town you know, like well, it's yeah. a battle. You guys could like shoot hoops and decide who's better. I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully that's not the deciding factor. Yeah, I know. Uh, apparently, Dunk contest. He's a great philanthropist. <laughs> philanthropist. I haven't yeah. started drinking yet. Um, but anyway, we got the good stuff today because we wanted to toast the opening of Ray Gun in Ames. This is a big deal. People have been talking about Olive Garden shit on Olive Garden. <laughs> like, I don't give a crap about the Olive Garden. Having a ray gun in town, yeah. it's yeah. going to change this. That could be our ray gun. We beat Olive Garden. Yay. And it's anyone, like we did it. And anyone who disagrees can move. We knew that something big was coming to that location because Dan announced it in meeting, but he was like, I can't say who it is. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's sure. like, it's going to be game changer for downtown. I was like, hey, whatever, Dan. And then um, we got an email from you like the next day. And I was like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> it is a big deal. We give our friends the inside track. We don't want it to people to hear it through the papers or social media. Well, so we always like email anybody we know yeah. in the community to be like, oh, well, FYI. We're honored to receive oh, it. Thanks. We're so excited. And we're really honored because you were a customer of the store before. Yeah, that's true. Being a Main Street business owner. And like we take that like as a huge compliment. So thank you for being a supporter of us. No, I mean, I it's... It's funny how you never really, it can be tough to measure any sort of like store, space, location. And you kind of have to say, oh, this place has like a good energy to it, which sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud. No, And you probably shouldn't be making business decisions based based off energy. Um, Another, that's of all the reasons I'm not going to be a rich businessman, making decisions (laughs) based off of energy is like at least in the top five. No, I I totally agree. But my wife, so I have my uh, wife's big into books, uh, fully literate. And um, (laughs) congrats. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) And um, we have four kids and she would even, I know. I could not find that in my research. Oh, it's I needed to know if you were that successful and you had kids? Yeah, two. And you have four? Four is too many. If you're, yeah, for I all those four. listening at home. Okay, well then, you know. You're in the cool club. <laughs> yeah, it's like we overshot suckers. a little bit. <laughs> well, I found like the third, adding three kids just to like segue, um, the third almost like doubled the amount of work, yeah. bizarrely enough. Yep. Adding the fourth one was pretty. Yeah, it was That fine. was the easiest yeah. one yeah, to insert like the with the fourth dog. one. It's the same as the fourth kid. Have we introduced Mike Draper yet? No, I don't think okay. you did. This is what happens oh, when yeah. we drink Amanda champagne. Amanda does this. We haven't. You had like one okay. sip. I know, but I get distracted by the champagne. So let's just start <laughs> yeah. real quick because I have so many questions for him. Finish this um, in post-production. Yes, she will. She's she very good at it. good at editing. Oh, okay. And she, we make Actual post-production. Yeah. yeah. Because it's chaos. The most famous person in Ames right now. Yes. Is in the doghouse. His yeah. name is Mike Draper. <laughs> He is the founder of Raygun, the coolest store in the, the universe. The greatest, the greatest store, store in the, in the universe. universe. Yeah. But I say, I think of a coolest, yeah. but he's the greatest store. Insert adjective here. Yeah. yeah. 
only positive adjectives. One of the reasons he's so successful is because he is drinking Culligan water. Um, he's like, what time is it? I mean, it's like one o'clock. We're like, uh, we pull the bubbles out at like 8 a.m. some days to get this podcast done. So we own one store. You're about to open your this will be the ninth. Ninth store. Yeah. I was trying to like count the be cities. Six, yeah, six in Iowa and then Chicago, Kansas City, and Omaha. Do you hear that? My husband's like, oh, you know, if you guys really want to grow your business, you should open another bookstore someday. And I'm like, hell no. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, all it takes is a dream and a lot of secured debt. I, that was like what, one of the things I most enjoyed reading in the interviews I was able to find that you've done is you reference all the times you almost ran out of money. Yeah. And you're like cool with it. It's almost an annual event. It's kind of embarrassing (laughs) at this point. You're like, how does this keep happening? Because you you like, you're taking another bite out of the apple. Like you're going for it and people are asking for it. So like you could have just done Des Moines. You could have run it well, like, cause that's what we're doing. We're like, we love our store. We love our town. We love doing what we're doing. Like, this is what we can manage. But you are like, keep taking the bite out of the apple and taking on the new thing. And people want you in their town. Yeah. I I mean, it's, it is tricky. Cause I think when you'll have sometimes people are like, oh, I'm going to want to start a business and yeah. I'll always be like, oh, what do you want to start it for? And they're like, well, you know, kind of the money. I'm like, don't, do <laughs> don't start <laughs> no. a business for the money. Yeah, no. They're like, well, I guess, you know, to kind of have control over my schedule. It's like, well, no. it's also, I mean, I guess I could work, you know, I, I work roughly 10 ish hours a day every day and I could do it overnight. If I wanted to, I'm the boss. (laughs) So I could decide when my 10 hours are, but you kind of have to do it for the lifestyle of it. I mean, you have to own a business because you want to own a business. Yeah. It's the love. It's the passion. It's the thing you wanted to do. It's, it's like a work of art. My sister is a painter and I think of what we do very much like a writer has to produce their book. Yeah. And that's kind of, there's no, oftentimes no real tangible upsides (laughs) to it, but it is one of those things of, you know, I've, I've thought about it and it's, it's still like the best of all options. You know, I I only started because I didn't want to get a regular job. Well, and I got it rejected for a fellowship. So I think regular jobs didn't really want me either. There was kind of this. I bet they regret it now. (laughs) Yep. Right. I don't even know if at this point you would necessarily want me as an employee just in how the like mind of an entrepreneur works yes. versus somebody. I'm a horrible employee. Yeah. So I can't imagine I would do a great. <laughs> so, but either way, I think it's, you, you know, when we look at where to open up and why and why it keeps continuing, it is that, you know, the project kind of drives us and you're like, well, every year we do just well enough to, to yeah. keep us going into <laughs> the next year. And then by the time we're going, it's like, well, we should do something else. And it's not, well, we want to open up more stores to make more money. It's, you know, kind of the larger we get, the more interesting projects we can take on. So we've, you know, published a few books in the past and the larger your footprint is, the easier it is for you to self-distribute things. Mm -hmm. And so then you can take on projects that have like a, you know, 3000 piece minimum as opposed to a 100 piece minimum. And then you can start almost connecting different communities together. And so we've done, you know, events in the store where somebody does our Omaha store and the Des Moines store and Cedar Rapids and Chicago. So you can make like a little tour through this one (laughs) short chain. I own the, I own many of the Midwest pint glasses and cultural references, um, in my own home. 
Ellen, like, is obsessed. We can't come to Des Moines without going to your store. <laughs> um, I am wearing today, I love book-loving people. I also have that shirt. <laughs> which is so cool that you guys picked this up about a bookstore owner in Chicago, I believe. Yeah, in Wicker Park. Yeah, in Wicker Park, who had had a giant sale that represented, what, like a third of her monthly rent. And then the people brought it back yeah, and they, said, we want to return it. Yeah, they were just buying the books to stage, stage a home. home. Yeah. And it made the news as it should because people who are a-holes to small business owners, like, you know, every once in a while you need to be called out. So like we set an example for everyone else. We don't do this. Yeah. (laughs) And my shirt is referenced, but I love book loving people. And that's why I bought it, both at your support of that indie bookstore, but because people who love books are the best people. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, those and t-shirts. Yeah. I mean, just, and I guess whatever we sell. It's like when people are like, it's like, are you an Iowa State fan or an Iowa fan? It's like, I will support any team whose fans purchase t-shirts. If you're, if what you're into needs shirts, I I love what you're into. You don't like to wear shirts and screw you. So I read about you. You're from Van Meander, (laughs) Iowa, which is so cool because like you're some of the biggest game in town, like in the state. It's one of, it is the greatest store in the universe, but especially in our state. So I'm really glad you're an Iowa boy. Yeah. I was born at Lutheran hospital, which is only six blocks from the store. So geographically I have not come very far in life. I'm only like half <laughs> yeah. a mile from where I started. And there's a funeral home between the store <laughs> so and the hospital. you end up there. Is Shit. that your plan? So yeah, it could be. And I don't know if that's. Like you um, love the poetic. I don't know if that's an accomplishment, but yeah. we will definitely, it'll be the icebreaker at my funeral. They'll yeah. be like, oh, here we are at Hamilton's funeral home. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, know, Mark started over, or Mike started over there <laughs> mm-hmm. and he worked over far. there. Yep. And, and here he is now. Yep. Just one tiny strip of the east side of Des Moines. Um, are, is, do your family still in Van Meter? Pretty much. Yeah. My mom's family or my mom, my parents still have their house in Bay Meter that I grew up in. They're mm-hmm. there half the year and then they're in the other half of the year in Michigan. And so my grandparents are both from Iowa, my mom's parents. They actually mm-hmm. met at Iowa State in 1950. Mm-hmm. So when people always ask, are you an Iowa fan or an Iowa mm-hmm. State fan? I'm like, well, I should say this. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't exist if it weren't for Iowa State. Yeah. So I kind of have to like- Very tilt, appropriate. <laughs> is, tilt a little I mean, bit. we probably should have ended up here before Iowa City, but I get it. They're a big market. <laughs> yeah. um, how did you get into Pennsylvania? Like, how did you end up in that state for college? So my um, mom's family ended up moving to Michigan. So I used to spend my summers there. And she and my dad met in D.C. when they were in college. And he was from Connecticut. And so we used to go out east to Connecticut. Uh It always like seemed like something I would do. You're like, well, I'm going to go out of state for college. And my older brother went to California. And so I was like, well, he's got the West Coast locked up. So I'll just go to the East Coast. And um, I... My dad made me a little, I was like, I want to go to a big city because mm-hmm. growing up in Van Meter, I graduated with 30 kids and that's you're there. Ridiculous. So you're there K through 12. Yeah. The big move is when you go fourth to fifth grade, you go upstairs. Oh. Wow. But so you see your fifth grade teacher like every day, you know, <laughs> you've known everybody every day. So you, I mean, yeah, you're beyond friends at that point. The people you graduate with are more like relatives yeah. where you don't the main thing you have in common is that you've been together for this long length of time. And so I wanted to go to a big city where nobody knew me, nobody cared. I thought that'd be a fun experience. <laughs> it's like the opposite of cheers. Um, yeah. I want to go where no <laughs> one knows, knows my, my name. name. Yeah. And people aren't even friendly to you. No. <laughs> Nobody's interested. Nobody's hoping you do I well. No Sign me up for me. that. And so looked at um, schools in big cities and applied to Penn, got in, which was handy. And um, 
I had never been there, visited campus, and I thought it'd be fun to go. So went okay. out. My first day at Penn was my um, the day I like moved in. That's yeah. wild. Okay, so you mentioned getting rejected from um, grad school. Yeah, yeah. You didn't get it. It was a fellowship wanted. to pay for fellowship grad school. Fellowship to pay for grad school. And then I was going to, and then I was like, do I have to, am I going to pay for grad school? Yeah, right, uh, right, right. How did the not Penn State shirt come about? Like, where, when did you just decide one day, I'm going to make a shirt and I'm going to stand on the street and sell it. And why the not Penn State? Was that like the insider joke? Yeah. At the University of Pennsylvania? I mean, yeah. So to start, I never figured I would, you know, run a business. My parents don't own businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, they're professionals. Not, I mean, they're not professional parents. They're good at parenting, <laughs> but that's their side gig. They're professionals in other fields. So my dad's an attorney. My mom's a mechanical engineer. The tons of mechanical engineers in my family. Um, and I'm the wild child. I know. I mean, well, I'm terrible at math. It's one of those you're kind of like adopted. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The mailman. And now I'm in charge of an eight million dollar company. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't let the bank hear. (laughs) I know. We, 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 guy who's in charge of paying you back is bad at math. (laughs) I have a shirt that says, uh, I was an English major. You do the math. Well, and but so yeah. we, so I had always, I, I don't know, I was like, well, maybe I'll go and um, go to like grad school. I studied history undergrad and I had done my year abroad in Scotland and met a girl over there. And so she was kind of my girlfriend. And so I thought like, well, why don't I just, I'll go back to Scotland and we'll live together for a year. This master's fellowship will pay for it. Uh, so I don't have to worry. And I'll, it's kind of like that year will be taken care of and I'll figure out what to do after that. So I applied for this master's fellowship. I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, you're sometimes long on confidence and short on practical planning Mm -hmm. because it was an extremely (laughs) competitive fellowship. And um, I found out I was one of the 16 finalists and they took four people. And so you're like, all right, so you got a one in four Mm -hmm. chance. And I thought, all right, there's a chance, however remote, that I'm not first or second. Mm-hmm. But let's face facts. I'm, I'm definitely in the top four. And so um, I made, you know, I didn't take my GREs, didn't take my LSATs. I didn't apply for jobs. I didn't apply for anything else. So when I got rejected, I was surprised to say the least and was kind of like, all right, well, now I've got the next, you know, 50 ish years of my life free, uh-huh. maybe 60, maybe 40. If I took up smoking, yeah, maybe 10, if I took not. up riding really a motorcycle healthy. without a helmet, yeah, <laughs> still have not taken up smoking. And so I'm like reassessing my life. And a friend of mine who lived in like the same house said, Oh, you know what we should do? We should just sell those not Penn state t-shirts on campus. And this was, it had been an inside joke at Penn since like the seventies right. of you say like, oh, I got a pen. And the only reason you're at Penn is because you didn't get any Yale. And then the next reason <laughs> is that you want people to just heap adulation upon you because you're at an Ivy League school, yeah. which is the only reason you go to an Ivy League school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been a- talking to my daughter who's 15 about this shit. She's like, I don't want to make any mistakes that would like prevent me from getting into like a thing if I decide I want to be that ambitious. And I'm like, Eloise, like it doesn't fucking matter if you go to an Ivy League. <laughs> no, it's almost like it embarrassing. You can get into little... any other school you want. Like, don't jump the hoops. I mean, you study history there. And so it's not like you have secret books that they're like, this is who started the First World War. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell the state school kids. Yeah. <laughs> and it is exactly like that line in Goodwill Hunting where he said, you know, you're going to wake up one day and find out you spent $130,000 on an education you could have gotten in $13 worth of late fees from the public library. Oh of God. You're paying money to sit and read yeah. books. But anyway, so... 
you want people to, you know, heap adulation upon you because you're at this Ivy League school and then people mix it up with like a subpar Big Ten yeah. school. And you're like, damn it, this is going in my no, memoir. Like at the one. Have I not no, struggled? You need to understand. Have I not struggled enough? And so Not Penn State was this joke on campus. When I was a freshman, there was a store that sold Not Penn State t-shirts. I bought one. Most people in my class bought one. And that store went out of business, I think, my sophomore year. So by mm-hmm. my senior year. Nobody had them. You just had Yeah. Well, shirts. like every under every upperclassman had a Not Penn State t-shirt. And when you wore it around campus, like freshman, you'd get stopped like Where'd 20 you get times. It? Where yeah, is where it? did you get that? And you're like, oh, they don't have it. Leave me alone. I got to go win this fellowship. <laughs> and then so when I didn't get the fellowship, that was kind of the initial. It's like, hey, we get asked all the time. Why don't we just take this shirt to a screen printer? We'll get a hundred of them made. We'll just stand on campus and um, sell the t-shirts and see what happens. And it was like $300 to get a hundred shirts printed. And, you know, our thinking was we would probably waste this money anyway. Right. <laughs> like each of us put in $150. That's so cool. And we stood on campus and started selling them. And this kind of light bulb went off for me as like bizarre as it sounds. I had always wanted to do something creative. So when I was in high school, I wrote for City View when it was mm-hmm. an alternative weekly. When I was in college, I still did a lot of writing. Um, I did a lot of visual art. I did like short movies. I played in a bunch of bands, but I was never really able to figure out like, all right, well, how do I spin (laughs) this into something like economically sustainable? And so the t-shirt thing was this light bulb moment of, oh, this is something that I could do like myself and sell directly to people. I don't need, you know, audiences. I don't need venues. I don't need, you know, editors. And so... I was like, I'm going to graduate and I'm going to travel around and sell t-shirts like just on the street. I'll go to other college campuses, busy intersections. And the whole thing seems so clear to me. And so I talked to my buddy whose idea was, I was like, hey, we should do this as like a company. Do you want to like just sell t-shirts out of their college? And he's like, no, I've got a job at Citibank. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I bet I'm going to. that now. Yeah. Um, and he's gone on and like started a company and is like done great. Congratulations. <laughs> like, Congratulations. Congrats, yeah. friend. Congrats. Nice job, Mike. His name's also, his name is also Congrats, Mike. Mike too. And I still am in touch <laughs> with him. And so graduated and I traveled around out East just selling like t-shirts on the street and I had no fixed address. <laughs> We'd stay <laughs> with friends and it's as easy as it sounds. You'd go to like Union Square in New York and just stand there with a bag of shirts and hold them up and try to sell them to people, which Was is that, just kind of sales 101. Like, did that work for you? Because like some people would be like, kill me before I do that. <laughs> Did did you just like love your product enough and have enough confidence that you're like, I know that people are going to walk up and take it. They're going to be like so happy. Or was it ever uncomfortable? Yeah. I mean, uncomfortable, like physically sometimes. I know. By December, it was like really cold. Yeah. So it would get really chilly. I don't know. Somebody, if whenever I'm thinking about like my own kids or, you know, when people say, oh, what's something you should do in high school to prepare for life? I'm like theater, (laughs) improv, any of those Mm -hmm. things, like Mm -hmm. not just public speaking. It's like, no, you got to get up there and embarrass yourself. Yeah. I mean, just whatever it is, you have to stand there and realize, you know, just like, yeah. Yeah. You just realize you have not a lot of control and how it's going to go. And there's people who get up there and then there's people who don't. And so I think having done so much like theater, improv, comedy, you know, music kind of prepares you for it and that you have to kind of stand up. And just kind of be able to just do it no matter who the audience is. That's thinking like a Roman emperor. You know what I mean? <laughs> really? If you read that book, it's all about like life's just going to throw shit on you and it's how you process it. 
Shout like, out our philosophy director. We'll call him philosophy director. Um, he loves that book. And I'm not very good at just flow, going with the flow. Yeah, it's, I mean, why I was playing one time um, in Scotland. I, I was like, did a year abroad in Scotland and I had like a little band over there. And I stood up, like I was playing one night, like a set. And before I even said like, hello, that somebody from the audience was like, you're shite. <laughs> and I was like, please, there will be plenty of time to call me shite later. Like, let's, Let me let's do it in order. Well. Let me start at least. <laughs> Let me play the shite. That's and so beautiful. I think you're, you just kind of get used to being broken down, but it's, you know, it's never fun to, to deal with like rejection or to put something out there and nothing happens. But I don't know. So there's no, you're not necessarily like dead to it. You kind of just get used to it. And so it was I don't know. It was an experience um, selling T-shirts on the street, but it didn't make me want to stay selling T-shirts on the street forever. Which brought you back to Iowa. You spent a summer screen printing training. Was that in the midst of your selling on the street days? No. So it was kind of transitioned. Yeah. Yeah. So by um, end of 2005, so Mm -hmm. winter, um, I wanted to you know, start printing myself. I wanted to open a store and I kind of needed a niche market. Yeah. And a friend of mine from Des Moines who was living out in New York said, oh, you know, you should do, you should just move back to Iowa and put a store like on yeah. the east side by the Capitol. Yeah. And you get some <laughs> advice at the right place at the right time because everything kind of lined up for me. You made like, East Village cool. <laughs> well, Did yeah, you there take was- take a little ownership? Kind of. I mean, it's funny thinking of how, like just a sidebar into like community development. Once you're like really ingrained in a neighborhood, I mean, we were almost kind of like the junior class in that we're really early as you look back at the East village now. But if you get back into the minutia of it, you know, it's like American plumbing supply, hammer pharmacy. We're like a hundred years old. I know. You know, there was a Woolworths. So the East village has always kind of been like the East downtown and then the saddle opened up in the 70s. Um, so they were kind of neighborhood pioneers in a more modern era. And then really like that first wave was projects, furniture, kitchen collage, gong fu tea, and then okay. the original Eden. And yep. then we opened up in this building that was the first mixed use building yep. built in Des Moines in like 30 years. Yep. And so it's. Although we were there really early on, even at the time you realize there's so many people that kind of like blaze the path Mm -hmm. before you, even in our own community. And so whenever we open up in other communities, you're always cognizant of the fact that it's like, you know, somebody has been busting their ass for years, decades before you ever got there. Not only does it have like a huge CP history because we go back a hundred years plus on Main Street and it was like where the city started um, in a historic downtown area, but it takes one cool place opening up to draw the people. And then the next place says, I feel confident coming here because the people are coming. And the more people you draw to that, that's what I feel like Raygun did. It made it a destination shopping district where I want to walk up and down every street. And I know I'm going to have all these different like experiences and they're all local. And um, yeah, it's, you and, totally transformed it. And we, and we did, I mean, and I'm not just saying this cause you're here, but we talked about <laughs> Raygun when we were like, yeah, in our early phases before we had ever like really pulled the trigger on the bookstore, but mm-hmm. we were talking about it. Um, just like the work that you do in your community um, and how you're sort of an anchor to that district. And like, could, could we do that? 
Like, could we be a destination in the way that you are a destination? Mm-hmm. And so we've always thought of our bookstore as a destination bookstore. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it no, really is. Like, it's not like size and energy. And that's kind of the other, as you bring it up, it's like, you know, we've looked at Main Street in the past and a lot of times you just, you're waiting for like the right space to open mm-hmm. up, yep. meets, you know, financing. And so the building we're in now, we looked at, years ago but it didn't quite work out because we had to like renovate the iowa yeah. city store and we didn't yep. have like the money mm-hmm. and it's always been a little bit on our like radar but then <clears throat> it kind of like popped back up since i think it was like last fall or last winter my wife for like a day trip was like oh i'll just go up to like um ryman gardens and then like that bookstore on main street oh my god <laughs> bless your wife what's her and name? so it is fun laura laura we love you thank you <laughs> we love you laura but so it is interesting that it's like there's obviously bookstores um like into there's bookstores yeah. and other places but it is such an experience to go into a bookstore that yeah. it's something mm-hmm. that people can do as like an activity we firmly believe in indie bookstore uh, experiences. Well, Raygun is like that too. It's like an activity. Yeah. Like if I'm around there, I'm going to stop at by Raygun. Well, and so you just realize that it's, mm-hmm. you know, when you, it's hard because that information, you know, it just, it gets put out there silently and that, you know, it's just like another day at the bookstore. And then mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, my family's in there. They mm-hmm. have like a good time. Mention it to me. It mm-hmm. just makes me think of like Main Street again. You come look at it and like see yeah. the space. And so that's what's so hard is you don't realize how much is happening without you knowing until mm-hmm. stuff kind of like um, I'm going to go directly to a quote you um, gave. I don't remember if it was Forbes or somewhere else, but it says <laughs> Draper's advice for Iowa business owners and anyone else for that matter is to treat every customer like a performance or audition. You are talking to the customer and their seven closest friends. Thank God we did a good job that day yeah, when Laura <laughs> came in. Thank God. Because her second closest friend... Uh, her first closest friend. Her yeah, friend. hopefully. Her first closest she's like, friend. She's got some explaining Her first closest friend <laughs> heard, thank you, Laura. I'm glad we did a good job. We auditioned yeah. for the part of bringing you to Ames. Yeah, you just never know who you're talking to. I mean, Jennifer Wilson, who's an author in yeah. Iowa, we published her book, Water. Um yeah sold her first book running away to home, like out of our store. And she had like a book event. She was the editor who hired me at city view. Oh, so when I was in like high school, yeah, I mean, it's like one of those crazy things. And crazily enough, her son works at our Iowa city store now. That's the way it works. So you might be talking to some like 17 year old who's applying for like a pay by the word internship. Yeah. And at no point do you probably think to yourself, you know what? This guy may publish my My book one day and employ one of my unborn children. (laughs) (laughs) It's just your the mind doesn't like make that many connections unless and so, you stick around Iowa long enough and then you're like you well, know I just like well so it kind of pays present. to not be an asshole that's yeah. the other it's like yeah. even if you oh. are even if you're make not that a shirt make it that pays shirt. to not yeah. be an asshole it does even if you are only looking for your own like oh what's in it for me what's yeah, in right. it for me it's like hey just being a nice person may lead to your book being published and your kids being employed one day. So <laughs> that's the lesson. Give your it a shot. Your dreams could come true. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but in that mm-hmm. vein, another way that we emulate you is that we, when we were talking early on about like how far do we want to push the envelope and like the shit that we say, <laughs> you know, and like, will people punish us for it? You know, because this is fucking yeah. Iowa. Yeah. 
Um, it's like, you know, Reagan is like really doubled down on their values and they have huge loyalty and huge following. There's probably a lot of people in Iowa who are like, fuck Reagan. But <laughs> I love your guys' you know, responses on social too. Yeah, to we do our like one star Reagan. reviews of the week. I love yeah. your one star I love reviews. it. And you know what? It, gave, it really sort of gave us a confidence of like, you know what? We should just like try to run our business with integrity and live according to our values. Align with our values, And, yeah. you know, like we'll cultivate the community that we want to serve. Like, yeah, I mean, any small businesses, especially even like decently sized ones are kind of like an extension of, you know, the their people, the people who work yeah. there, the people who run it. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, the store being a reflection of those people, since that's kind of why you go into a place anyway. Because like oftentimes, yeah, why art. when it's, you know, people will say, well, why don't I like this restaurant versus another restaurant? And your average person's not going to be so discerning, you know, like the bacon cheeseburger isn't going to be so different at the two places. It's, you know, everything. It's like, who's there? It's the environment, the yeah. lighting, the people who run it. What you know about it. the people. Yeah. And so it's. At what point did you just sign? Because first it was not Penn State. And then you opened up Smash. At what point did you decide I can commit to this identity of someone who is progressive because every business in our, you know, we just had, um, an event in which, um, different business districts came out in, um, opposition to anti-trans legislation in our state. And we kind of well, similar to what you all did. Yeah. In what you guys did. Oh, yeah. Right. And so we saw what you did. Um, and we respect so much the neighborhoods that you guys have down here. We're like, we, we want to do that too. We want to say Ames too. And so, you know, we spread the word and each person has to make that individual decision. And they're weighing so many things in their mind when they do it. When did you decide, like, I can be this person. I can let my business wave this crazy flag and say, so what? I, I mean, that's really early on the, you know, we've always said that the kind of the three pillars of the like content are funny, Midwestern, progressive. And so the progressive political side has been there like from the beginning. Okay. And the political stuff was around before even like the Des Moines stuff. And yeah. so some people online will say like, I used to, I liked it when it was funny and you're more like, sports. I mean, it's too <laughs> political now. And you're like, dipshit. <laughs> it's like been, been political can, since before the store was here. Shockley's yeah. Exhibit A. I mean, there were, and you know, so from the very beginning, the stuff was, you know, like edgy political and it always kind of seemed natural for me and that, you know, my, you know, creative Lotus star was, you know, bands like bad religion or rage against the machine yeah. or Godspeed you black emperor who were yeah. these like, um, French Canadian anarchists. Okay. And so I had always kind of associated, uh, you know, art with edginess. Yeah. I mean, there, there should be something there. Yeah. I mean, the idea yeah. is it's like, it's not like bad religion was like, let's go win some Grammys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, they just said, Oh, this is what we want to do. And the people who are into it are going to be into it. And the people who aren't, aren't yeah. and it, you know you didn't you don't have to listen to bad religion as far as i know yeah um <clears throat> it's still a free country and so um <laughs> momentarily yeah for now and so i think that had been you know with us from the very beginning and it wasn't anything that i really like thought about <clears throat> as you get bigger and there are you know more things to think about a little bit you know you can be it more could become strategic. a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. You think to yourself, oh, will this turn people off or not? But 
there were, you know, certain inflection points where one was, you know, years ago, Susan G. Komen was pulling all funding that would go to oh, Planned yeah. Parenthood for like mammograms. <clears throat> it's like, well, we don't like cancer, but I mean, not that much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, I mean, we'll give cancer something. And it was just the, like the pressure of, oh, yeah. we don't give any money to Planned Parenthood. And so a lot of corporations were like distancing themselves. And my wife is a nurse and actually worked at Planned Parenthood. And you just think to yourself, like, this is fucking ridiculous. It's just a women's health clinic. I mean, Uh this is like if there was a corporate movement against a dentist's office. Yeah. And you just kind of look around at like, you know, how chicken shit are people? Like, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. Some like group in Texas is suddenly swaying the entire country. Yeah. And, you know, why do they get to do that? Yeah. And there's nothing worse than being kind of like up there and out there providing something that other people need, you know, an organization like Planned Parenthood. And to have all your supporters like just silently be like, yeah, we're with you. Yeah. Go yeah. on out there. That really we definitely need you. But they, it's like, yeah. but we don't really want to like, Ugh. yeah. And so we, you know, hosted a fundraiser for Planned Parenthood. And I think at the time we were the like <laughs> largest company in Iowa to officially host anything with Planned wow. Parenthood. And we were love... like a tiny company. I mean, this, yeah. this is a company with like three stores at the You're time. You're like, yeah, where where are all those chicken shits who should be standing up for them? Because guess what? More than 50% of the state is women. And what is it? One in three women will have an abortion, I think. Yeah. I forget what the statistics are exactly, but. I mean, ours um, is just like, well, it's like a legal health. And so you, yeah. there are certain times where people will say like, well, aren't you worried about it? And it's like, you know, as long as you can make the argument to other people, you know, respectfully, you yeah. don't have to be a jerk about it. No. It doesn't have to be outlandish. No. And if you, you know, really believe in it, it's, I just don't think there's anything that's, you know, necessarily going to go wrong. Because again, no place is going to, you know, please all of the people all of the time. You know, that said, the thing I like most about the store by far is that, you know, our store in Des Moines is this like huge space. It's yeah. on a corner. You know, last time around, we had, I think, every presidential candidate except for Joe Biden and every Republican candidate except for Trump. Oh like, my God, visit the store. Hilarious. Like, walk through. So you have like Mark Sanford, the guy who like hiked the pie- Appalachian <laughs> oh Trail. Oh my God. I, oh he was God. like wandering around the store. Oh my God. <laughs> there was um, a guy who Your was running from shirt. Illinois. Have so you had good. Kim Reynolds in your store? And she has been in. Yeah. What? I mean, we don't know not, what we don't know what we would do. Not recently. In. It's okay. but she used to live because the kids are wearing your shirt. <laughs> I I'd be know. like, I love it. Bitch, <laughs> get out. Well, so she used to, when she was a state legislator, she lived above the old store. She like rented an apartment. And so like she would come by and came into like the old, because it is one of those places. It is a fun place to go. It's like, yeah, you may not like the stuff with the uteri on it, but the tailgating shirts are funny. There's stuff about the weather. Yeah. And that's something for everyone. Well, it's, it's one of those things that it, it does depend on how you say things. And right. when you do things with humor, I mean, we'll have people. Exactly. We'll have humor people versus with, hate and shame. Yeah. That's I mean, sure we'll have does. people with like MAGA hats come in and buy stuff from us and be like, I don't like a lot of the stuff in here. And you're like, well, you found <laughs> something good. though. Uh-huh. You're like, I don't like your hat. But I think that's, I mean, that's what you kind of like aim to do yeah. is to say like, well, this is an environment where there's obviously like ideas you don't agree with, uh-huh. but look at the place. Yeah, we're and so it's, happy. It's a conundrum because it's like, well, here they are them. And with all the be yeah. Nice to you. It's like all these yeah. socialist slogans and a few trans employees. 
And it makes me feel But good. it's a privately held corporation. It's like, <laughs> shit, damn what do I do? it. Like, how does this, I was going to call him a communist, but he's <laughs> almost the yeah. exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. Um, quick transition. Where did the name Raygun come from? Well, we used to be called, yeah, so we used to be called Smash and then somebody tried to sue us. Oh my God. <laughs> so we got Sorry. a letter. Yeah. We got a letter from a law firm representing a company in California called Smash. And mm -hmm. they were like, Hey, trademark, knock it off. Yeah. And I showed it to our lawyer and he's like, well, this doesn't look good. <laughs> and you're like, all right, well, give me your sales pitch. Like I sell shirts, you sell legal services. Like, what is this going to cost? He's like, well, it could be $4,000, could be $400,000. Mm -hmm. You're like, that's a hell of a range. Yeah. Yes. But say I've got $400,000 and I don't yeah. know what to do with. Um, how long is it going to take? It's like, whew, could be years. Yeah. It's like, okay, but I would win. Monk he's like, 50-50. And so I just decided to change the name. We wanted a noun. Yeah. Because like it comes it. with its own logo. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> just out of laziness. <laughs> you're like, yeah. half the design work's done. <laughs> we wanted it four or six letters so it could be split evenly across a zipper. Oh, that's smart. Which when oh, you screen print, that's what God, you think about. genius. Well, it's just when you have to print everything. With Smash, yeah. you're like, we had to add something to the other side. Otherwise, people would fall over. Um, just like the right or the left to <laughs> oh, be too heavy. Too it's like, oh, three letters on one side of my zippers weighing me down. And Raygun, we were able to trademark. I always sometimes wish there was a better story. Like somebody had given me a Raygun like when I was a really kid. Or <laughs> I'll give you a story. My kid was obsessed. What did we call it? Oh my God. We just found it. and wouldn't let my husband throw it away. Um, and they had a funny name for it. Oh my God. It was a ray gun. It was this cute little toy ray gun. And my kids had a cute name for it. Maybe I'll text my husband while we continue to talk. But <laughs> they loved it. It looks just like your logo. And they would hold it and go, yeah. you know, it was like an alien ray gun. And um, so I didn't know if you had like some weird no, I, 50s association with. Yeah, sometimes it would be nice, but then you realize a lot of stuff is just, you know, practical solutions to problems that are out of your control right <laughs> like it's you would like to think that it's part of this like genius plan of <laughs> the branding to like the text to how it all fits together when really you know you start a company you're essentially just like wandering into like a pitch black field full of fence posts and you bump into one and you have to go around it and you bump into another oh and God, go around it <clears throat> and you it look back and you're like and somebody you know when you look back it looks like it's you this course through this yeah. really complicated. You guys, field. Mike had no plan <laughs> and he just ended up here. Well, and you right just, on. and it's a lot of it's work and circumstance. You just hope none of the situations that you run into, you know, kind of like swamp your boat, but it's, it would, it's unnerving. It's, I don't know. It's nerving and unnerving to just say, you know, it's work and circumstance and I'm here not because of like my own genius, but just because the circumstances never finished us off. There yeah. are plenty of times you get close. I hear you. Yeah. I, I hear do you. just try not to be, you know, judgmental about other people's projects and that, you know, running a business is like, you know, there's pros and cons to it. And sometimes the cons outweigh the pros. And so somebody might close a shop because they just don't feel like doing it anymore, which right. I can God, fully understand. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, on a deep level. And then there's other, you know, times where just, you know, the cash flow doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. The money wasn't in in March and it may have come in in October, but you can't bridge that gap. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it was a bad idea. It just meant the timing didn't work out. And so, 
we, you know, I've worked at it for sure, but you know, we've had some breaks go our way and that's, I, I don't know. There's nothing more to really be said than each year we do. We just do just well enough to keep going. <laughs> and then yeah, you I mean, kind of take on another luck. challenge. It's and- like, okay. It's like there, I mean, I think with we us do the too, same, like- we do the same math. We try and be, take each step as we go. Like you take, yeah. you know, we start out, let's do what we do really well. And then we can add that one little thing. Like we'll add one more book club. Did I go? Okay. Well, our staff is okay. Cool. Okay. <laughs> we started our subscription last year and I was like, Okay. Rachel carries a lot of that burden. There's a lot of bo- those boxes. Those are our subscriptions. There's oh, a reason we're in this space because we gotta have room for all the crap. Yeah. Our office is literally the, the size of a small bathroom, like the daisy <laughs> chain bathroom. bathroom. <laughs> yeah. like the daisy chain bathroom. That's our office. That's where all our books come in. And it was like all of us were trying to work in there, but uh, one step at a time. Um, okay. So, so I want to know though. I yeah. want to know when did you get the like iconic yes. font? lettering was was that before you opened it like when you were no, selling so, on the street like what how did that come about yeah you see a ray gun shirt you know it's, no, a, ray it's a ray gun, gun shirt. shirt yeah and so when people, we people try and emulate it yeah and, and so when we first started like um you know you kind of want to appear like bigger than you are and yeah. so i thought oh i'll make all the designs look different and um shields at jordan creek mall picked up some of our shirts and they were going to sell them through shields and so i was in shields one time and i saw our shirts and there were some other shirts on um the table with him. And I was like, Oh man, you can't tell which ones are ours because I didn't have enough time to like neck label all of our shirts. And so I thought, well, I should just make our stuff all kind of like look similar. Yeah. And it's one of those like how creativity works in that in like the late nineties gap released a line of printed shirts. It was like the only printed shirts they had ever done. And they were all like the same font, just like Helvetica. And they just had some like, phrases on them like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree okay but i remember seeing it as like a kid and they had this table and they were all set up and i liked how everything kind of looked similar and so that was in like the back of my mind was like i'm gonna just start doing everything in like one font what is your font um it's our own font Are we but it's like to ask that question? yeah no it's it's uh like really close to news gothic mt okay. but we've okay. like made some adjustments so it's so technically like our it. own font yeah, yeah. um And so that was kind of in the back of my mind was it was twofold of I thought stylistically it would look cool if everything had like a same pattern to it. And then there would be this like visual element that would immediately set it apart when Mm -hmm. you saw it. And at the same time, it's kind of the, you know, you know, white stripes view of creativity, which is sometimes limiting the number of tools you have, you know, kind of expands your imagination. Right. And it's, I'm not even like a big White Stripes fan, but you know, I grow up in central Iowa. So you're obviously into Slipknot and Slipknot yeah, is like, you know, obviously. nine dudes, you know, 40 track guitars. Yeah. I mean, just the, it's hard to get any louder. Yeah. And the White Stripes came around and are like, all right, well, we're only going to record on equipment older than the Beatles and nothing more than eight tracks. And we're just going to use three instruments. And it's not to say that one is good or one is bad, but you can do a lot by just saying, all right, well, this is, these are the only tools we're going to use. Right. And so I thought creatively, it almost made it easier to say, we're going to stick to like three topics, like funny Midwestern progressive, and we're going to do everything in like one font and some set formats. And from a creative standpoint, it kind of helps to keep you on track and that you can say, oh, that project is cool, but this is what we do. And you might say there's elements of that project that we should work into ours, um, or you might say, well, it's good for them, but this is our thing. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest part is to not 
you know, drift into other areas to think, well, how do you keep like a brand, you know, constrained so it's like still recognizable and kind of has an identity, but flexible enough that it can yeah. move like a little bit. Does everybody want you to be their professional and personal life coach? Um, I hope not. No. Because, <laughs> it's like, because I'm listening to you talk and I'm just like, we have our toe in the water and everything you're saying is resonating with every decision we make every single day. Like, yeah. do you just feel like I'm getting like a therapy session right now on business? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you feel that way? Yeah. I feel that way. Well, I think it is, you know, a lot of business owners end up getting along. Um, not because there's like a secret cabal that like pulls the strings, there's but everybody. I want it to be a secret yeah, cabal. It would be nice, but everyone's like too busy to like yeah, come to the to meetings. organize. But you find it's handy when people, when you bump into each other, it can be kind of cathartic. I was like walking down the street one day during like a particularly bad stretch of time. And there was a guy from around the corner who owned like a store and he's like, how's everything going? And I was like, fuck, I think I have reached like terminal velocity of anxiety. It's like, it's almost kind of freeing in that there is literally no way for me to worry more about what I'm like worried about. I'm like at max. And he's like, oh, that makes me feel better. And you're like, all right, we'll see you later. No, I had that conversation and I won't talk about the topic, but with the person who does our windows the other day and she, like we hadn't seen each other in a while. And when you speak with candor and you actually say what you feel and mean, misery loves company. And when it, it lifts you out, um, uh, we have new Ross gay book is all about that. What is it called? I was inciting joy. Inciting joy is all about sharing your burdens actually brings you greater joy. But there is like this uh, owning a business, especially like a small, you know, a small business. Like there are a few people on Main Street where we're like, yeah, like you're our people. You know, like I feel like I can go to them with things that like I can I couldn't talk to anyone else about it. Oh, no yeah. one else would understand. Like, I mean, your average if your average person had asked me, like, how are you doing? I wasn't going to say, like, I've reached the terminal velocity of anxiety. <laughs> like, it's like a nut Shit, job. I'm not talking to him it's anymore. Like, yeah, it's not going to bring them up. But you, um, when you talk to another, like, small business owner, it's funny because it wasn't even a long conversation. They were like, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. You're <laughs> and like, you, like, yeah, walk, and you like, really felt seen. Yeah. yeah That's like, another t-shirt. Death spiral. I've reached terminal <laughs> velocity yeah. of anxiety. <laughs> Sell that in my therapist's office. Sell it in the therapist's office. um okay when did you coin the greatest star in the universe and what gave you the balls to do it um (laughs) i don't know we were trying to find that out like the other day i think it was like 2007 or 2008 oh my god that's so early yeah because you opened in 2005 2005 and we only had one store it was like a 1300 square foot store and so it was meant to be even from the beginning kind of a joke ironic yeah (laughs) but you became it yeah and so and it's um kind of comes from like two places but one was um I had this like Rage Against the Machine VHS tape of <laughs> their live performances. And Tom Morello, the guitarist, his mom was really against uh, the uh, parental advisory labels. <laughs> yeah. Like the, her, yeah. She had like this group to try to overturn parental advisory yeah, labels. Yeah, good. And so she, uh, during the VHS tape, they have a clip of her like talking to the crowd. And she says, and now I'd like to introduce the greatest band (laughs) in the fucking universe (laughs) and so that had always like stuck with me if you think she's gonna say greatest in the world and so you know obviously when you're driving you know 
Easter, IBC, like world's largest truck stop. Oh and there's God, like always yeah. world's largest everything. I went to the world's largest popcorn ball when I got my last dog. On the, you know, Kansas, like world's largest ball of twine. Yeah. Um, world's largest hand dog swimming pool. And so we had thought about <laughs> the <clears throat> first iteration was going to be um, like, it was smash at the time, but we were going to call it the world's largest clothing store. And people would walk into like a 1300 yeah. square foot store and be, <laughs> like, be like, what, what? in the, f- <laughs> really? And you're like, well, you can say just about anything. And we were like, no, we should go like bigger, bigger than that. Yeah. We should be like the greatest store. We should be the greatest store in the world. And I think that week they had discovered um, some form of life on Mars. Holy and shit. so we were like, oh, we should go like bigger. We should go like galaxy. And like, I think from the Rage Against the Machine thing, the universe line was in my mind. And so when we first said it, we were like, we're the greatest store in the universe. It's like, we've said universe in case any of like the Aliens microorganism come. walking around yeah, Mars are like wearing t-shirts. Yeah. There's a really good book out right now. We'll talk about it. Um, because we didn't talk about it last week, but it's called on earth as it is on television. And it's about aliens <laughs> coming and they're like obsessed. They're obsessed with everything that's bad here, bacon, <laughs> single use plastics and television. And they've been living amongst us, but they like come and in. they revere cats. Oh yeah. They think cats are much oh, more yeah. like superior to humans oh, and dogs obviously are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you are the greatest in the universe. Um, Maybe we can be the greatest bookstore in the universe. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You can pretty much call yourself anything you want. See, that's what I like. (laughs) That's what I like. I like this. I like this. It's like you're saying. When I talk, I'll sometimes, yeah. When I, when I talk to like groups, I'll sometimes be like, I own Raygun. You know, Raygun's been called the greatest store in the universe. (laughs) By by Raygun. Which is a real honor. I mean, if you're not going to compliment yourself, you can't wait around for other people to compliment you. Here, Someone said. Here, yeah. we have to backtrack. A lot of people are saying, I mean. <laughs> he is fucking funny. <laughs> and we need it, the process. I need to know this. This is what I stay up at night wondering about. Okay. So when, when something happens in our world of the Midwest or the world, Reagan knows it happened. They have something funny to say about it. And they make a fucking shirt and everyone gets online and they're like, order. Oh like, yeah, I did that because oh, yeah, yeah. my sister was like this bookstore owner and she sent me the link and I was like, order instantly. How does the creative process work? How do you, what is like the, the responsibility of Raygun to pay attention to what's going on in the world? Like, how do you, how do you do it? How do you pay attention to everything? And then what does the creative process look like when something happens? Because it's immediate. You made the caucus shirt, you designed and printed it before the caucus results came out. Okay. (laughs) Like that's not even a joke. That's what happens when something happens in the Midwest, you design and print a shirt before we all go to bed. Yeah. So what is your process? Like, how do you stay on top of the news and who are the funny people? Because you're the funny person, but like, where does the funny come from? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess way. we're all kind of, yeah, there's a lot of funny people who work at the store. I mean, it's a nice place to work in general. And I think, you know, part of it is, you know, practice in that we've been doing it for like 15 years. And so you get a little better at, you know, wordsmithing and sloganeering only through practice because you get ask so many times. So there's, it's, there's a certain element of just like you work long enough at it, you'll probably get better. So I think we've gotten better at, 
you know, how to do slogans. And we have like a couple of like rules. Um, we have something called our design bibble that we work <laughs> the on. Bible? It's not the Bible. It's the Bible. Um, <clears throat> what a double B? Yeah. It's B-I-B-B-E-L. And we've <laughs> tried to like synthesize for people. Like we have kind of go through all the like details. But so part of it is practice. Part of it is this like self-fulfilling prophecy of people kind of like that we'll make things about events. Yeah. So they'll even send us events yeah. and see if we make something oh, about it. Yeah. So it's, we have, you know, you obviously like scan headlines and stuff regionally. You pay attention to the news. Is that you? Are you doing do, it? Yeah. So we have, um, we kind of connect all the stores through Slack. And you'll have store managers, other employees, and you kind of encourage everybody to just post things. That's cool. And if you see something that could be made fun of, yeah, share it. And it's really, I mean, it's anything. So it's like, if you see an interesting story, it doesn't matter what it is. And then from the design standpoint, it's kind of our job to decide, all right, well, this becomes a shirt versus this becomes like a social media post. Yeah. And you kind of peel back the layers and you realize things are always going to be a little more complicated than they seem and that- mm-hmm. You know, we had, um, you know, in one of our meetings, somebody was like, oh, I thought about calling in sick to work to play Zelda today, but my mom talked me into staying. And I was like, oh, that's nice of you. And then somebody else in the meeting was like, oh, my God, I was up all night playing Zelda. And then somebody else said I was playing Zelda. And so there was enough people who, like, did it that we said um, – like we decided to do a shirt that said, I paused Zelda so I could be here. Yeah. Um, and we did it essentially just as a joke for some of our employees. And that one we posted to like Instagram and maybe, you know, 400 people like it, but, you know, sold like hundreds of yeah. them. Yeah. Wow. I mean, just ludicrous. You were catching on to something that was happening <clears throat> in our world in this moment that like you suddenly noticed. Well, it's like the silly stuff, but also the big things. When you, so you kind of tap into that. And then there was another thing that happened that week where uh, there was like the backlash of uh, like right wingers were upset at pride merchandise at Target. So Target pulled some of it. And so we released a (laughs) shirt that said like uh, Ray gun is now officially gayer than Target. Yeah. And (laughs) on Instagram, it got maybe like 4,000 likes. Yeah. But you only sold like, seven of it yeah because i don't know who's gonna really wear that shirt? yeah and it, so you don't yeah, necessarily yeah so you don't really release everything with the same intent so you don't release all products and think like oh this one's like and we don't measure necessarily like success of a shirt by how much it sells i mean something has to sell right. eventually yeah, we, you, got, yeah. we got bills yeah um but the concept of us releasing such a specific shirt that even mentions another company is kind of the joke. I love Even if we that, don't have yeah. very many of it. And then it it kind of keeps people on their toes and that you're not always releasing product that's even particularly marketable. Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and so it, the your content is going to be more interesting and in that you're not always trying to sell people stuff. It's kind of like, you're oh, look at what to we a made. moment and then that's like building that. Yeah. And it's yeah. the idea that, well, we're making stuff just like for us, not yeah. necessarily just because we think you're going to buy it. We just found yes. it funny. And it's and called that's curation. Kind of what, What's yeah. the point what of so? owning a business if you can't have fun and do the shit you want to do? I know. I mean, it's like, like. That's the fun part for me. If I wanted restrictions, like, I could. Go yeah. get a real job. Screw that. And get like a steady paycheck. <laughs> no. <laughs> and get paid regularly. No, Been there, done that. No Do thanks. Have- Although I have a question though. Yeah. I read, someone sent me an article about you when it was a while ago. I'm pretty sure it was oh, you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This is a great. That this you a great- have a flip phone. 
Oh, I used to, but it okay. fell in the toilet. So I had a flip phone at the time. I've only had a smartphone for a few years. And I was like, yes, the coolest person in Iowa is just like me <laughs> and things like me because I fucking love my flip phone and I won't get a smartphone. And I finally did because I was like, oh, I have kids. I want to take pictures of them. And I'm like, when I travel places, I have to print the Google map. It's fucking oh, stupid. Yeah. Yeah, you know? That's what I would do. Yeah. But People like, are like, how do you find your way around? Yeah, I'm like, I had like, met print this one, map, like, on paper? I was a teacher and I met this other teacher at a conference and she was the only other person with like a flip phone and we were like bonding. And she sent me that article over Facebook <laughs> and she was like, we're right. <laughs> what I used to, I had like this cool Nokia phone. They like re-released the original. It had yeah. Snake on it and stuff. Yeah. And then when AT&T updated to 5G, they're like, yeah, we're not going to support this phone anymore. And so yeah. they mailed me one of their flip phones. <laughs> and it was like the shittiest phone. Like You're bad now. Yeah. Uh, it was like hard to text. And, and you, run you couldn't get. Yeah. Message. I mean, and you couldn't get like a nice flip phone. Nope. No, you and can't you're not get a nice saving any money. Like AT&T was still charging me for my, like we're on That's a family true. plan. Yeah. So there was no practical reason to have it. And well, it got other, to the point where it like was like, an introvert and be yeah. like, you know what? I have a flip phone, so I can't. I know. And so that's where it was nice. <laughs> well, it was nice for that reason that people are like, oh, we should, there's like 200 people in our college WhatsApp group. We should add you. And it's like, oh, that sounds so great, but I'm no. on this flip phone. I'd yeah. love yeah. to be on this group with all these people yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Shit. And so it, it, so yeah, even for me, you know, society ground me down to the point where I like had to get a smartphone. Yeah, yeah. Chad Zamolek, if you are listening to this podcast, <laughs> he's our he's the Roman emperor guy. He doesn't have a phone. Period. Whoa! If you need to get a hold of him, you have to call his wife. <laughs> oh, well, see, that's how you cheat. It's like, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Who also works at our store. Yeah, it's like just tell Chad. But the only times where she's like, "Well, I'm sorry, I called Chad, but I don't know where he is." <laughs> Don't know how to get a hold of him. Hope he's alive. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what it would be nice to still. But I think that was my thinking kind of goes back to like the white stripe stuff and that it was my way of like limiting myself Mm -hmm. where it's it's so it's hard to when you're like distracted and you're pinged from one thing to another and you Mm -hmm. want your like brain to be able to get into some sort of a flow where you can, you know, keep moving and keep creating a life that's like owned by your own brain rather than other people's content. Well, cre- yeah. creativity can flourish in small spaces, like almost better. I used to do this writing exercise with my students where they had to write about a memory and all of them would want to like, here's a list of everything I did when I went to Florida, you know, like, and it was like, no, the actual memory can't be more than one minute. Like in t- it can be like one minute and you have to write it in 500 words. And you have to restrict your time. And they were like, I, how am I going to write about just like on one minute in time? And it's like, that was their, always their best assignment. Yeah. Well, and it's like the because magic of being bored yeah. of just stopping and like staring Absorbing. and yeah, yeah of just, you know, stopping yourself from doing it. And it's always kind of disheartening when I'll, I go, I'll, if I go on vacation and I'm got we'll go to like the UK for two weeks. Cause that's where my wife is from. Um, so her parents. Did you marry like, the Scottish girl? Yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> you should have said that. I forgot. Yeah. We segue normally. So whenever I do like my talks, I talk about how I got rejected. And I Does was she say go her name Laura? Scotland. How do you yeah. pronounce it in Laura, UK? Yeah. They say it like it's just that. Laura, yeah. Because I'm a Mander in the Oh, U- well, the because UK. they end with the E-R. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's kind of why she likes, um, <laughs> no, I was going to say why she likes the Midwest. I was like, does she? Because they can um, say her name. Because we say Laura, yeah. Whereas out East, they're like, Lara. Lara. And so, yeah, here it's like the more. But yeah, so normally when I do my talks, I like have this thing. And I'm like, oh, I was going to go live with my girlfriend. There's a picture of her. 
And then like before my last slide, I'm like, oh, and by the way, in case you were wondering, I'm still with my girlfriend. Yeah. Now she's my wife. Even though you didn't get yeah, I was the fellowship like, to pay for yeah, your grad I was school. like, all right, how about this? Instead of me moving over to London where you grew up, what if what I'm is? just spitballing here? You move to Des Moines, Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> where I'm going to open a t-shirt shop. How does she <laughs> feel? Oh, she loved you so well, much. So book related. She said, um, she was like, uh, when we first met, I said, Oh, I'm from like Iowa. And she's like, Oh, um, John Irving went to school in Iowa. <laughs> and she's like, that's the only thing I know about it. And it's like, wow, shit. If you were going to know one thing Thanks, about Iowa, John Irving. knowing that John Irving went to school here makes us sound like pretty great. Yeah. And um, I was like, yeah, well, if you come to Iowa, like we'll probably hang out with John Irving all the time. All yes. the time. And I had never girl. read any of we'll John Irving's friends. books. No. I didn't know who John Irving was. I know he like. His new one's pretty cool. But when, it's also like. And I knew, I knew he had written like Garp and yeah. so kind of knew of him. Yeah. And so then, you know, a few years ago, John Irving was going to be like the guest at like the main Avid series of the Des Moines Public Library. Did you get it? And in? so a lot of people ask us for stuff all the time. And, and I'm normally like, oh. and so at this one, I would like reached out to like our friends who worked at the library and I was like, hey, this is how I got my wife. Me, if you give me VIP stuff, I will make whatever you want for John Irving. Yeah. And so they said, okay, cool. Do like a gift box or something. Yeah, of, of like, and so I said, I'll make stuff. him like coasters or yeah. so. Um, yeah. So I made these like John Irving specific coasters, yeah. like the Thirteenth um, Cider House rule is use a coaster, and all oh the coasters, and they were all like <laughs> allusions to his books, and oh I put God. them in this box and like gave them to him. Did he love it? And so we went to well, so we, we like left him at the hotel for yeah. him, and then um, we get to like the VIP section early, and I go with like my wife, and he's like the only guy there. He's yeah. like waiting for like the yeah. crowd to show up, yeah. and so we walk over, and it's like check this out. <laughs> Ten years later, I got you to meet John Irving uh, and I. Like mission accomplished. Yeah, that is a contemporary romance I would read. And so he, John, so John Irving actually like liked the story. Mm -hmm. um, and then this is like you know how many names can you drop in like one podcast? Keep going, keep going. So the other day, um, I got an email from like Scott Simon, who's like the host of NPR's Morning Edition. Who, strangely yeah. enough, we're kind of internet friends. We do a lot of printing for NPR, and so I think that's yeah. kind of how oh, we got okay. connected. And he's an older guy, so they send cryptic emails. And so the subject <laughs> is just your friend, dot, dot, dot. Okay. And you're like, that's, <laughs> and like, that's a little creepy. And inside it says, John Irving, he has your coasters. Oh, and so Scott so Simon mean. went to John Irving's house to interview him about his new book. And I guess John Irving has like our coasters. And he like oh, shows them to people. Oh, my God. Cool. Never said thanks for him, but he still uses them. But they mean something. You live in his life. See, that's how I feel every time someone's like, oh, I'm getting this for my mom for her birthday. And I wrap their book and I'm like, I was part of your life, like this lady's life. Like, it's such a privilege. You're living in John Irving's yeah. house. I mean, basically. it really is. It is hard to put that kind of stuff like into words where it's like when people say, oh, does it ever get annoying? You know, do people give you T-shirt ideas? And I'm like all the time, whenever I leave the house. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> how it, many are we on like number yeah, three? Yeah, maybe Sorry. four. Yeah, we've got one for your therapist's <laughs> office. And and um <laughs> And they're like, well, does it ever get annoying? You're like, no, it literally never gets annoying. Because you bring so much joy. What, you just think to yourself like, all right, well, I've you know created this thing and a bunch of people have worked with me to like bring it to life. And there are people out there who I don't know who know this thing we've created yeah. mm -hmm. and have thought about it enough to be like, if I ever meet that guy, I'm, I'm going to give him, him my idea. 
I mean, good God, the number of people that I have that in my life is like 10, 20. Yeah. It's not a lot. Yeah. And so to kind of occupy that space, in you know, else's yeah, life. is unbelievable. And just to think that it's, you know, when I was born, you know, at Lutheran Hospital, where the store is now, was like an empty parking lot. And when I moved back to Des Moines, it was still an empty parking yeah. lot. It, they had raised the building in like the 50s. And because of this odd t-shirt based idea, there is like a building there now. And because people can you got rejected. Yeah. And people can come in and they can experience it. You're this, you know, you're part of like other people's memories. And it's it is impossible to like really fully grasp how neat it is to be so ingrained in a community to have other people experience a creative project in that way. You know, when and no matter what it is, whether it's like, you know, restaurant musical yeah. performance, like it's all kind of ephemeral. It's all varying degrees of who experiences what and what it means to them. But if you're somebody who's like project oriented and creative oriented, like that's kind of the absolute right. pinnacle. Right. Yeah. It can Put get it a little bit, there. it can get a little bit bigger. You know, I think of that in terms of stuff, you know, the store provides like, you know, a good life for me. I could have more, th but it's like, all I could have is like more of what I currently have. Yeah, I could right. get another house. I get another, there's only so many houses you could live in. There's yeah, only so yeah. many cars you can drive. You know, it's yeah. just, it's a cool feeling to do it. I don't know. Yeah. I 100% agree. You announced the AIM store. You did solicit feedback. Do you have like a, like, what are you going to do? What's the new Oh, yeah. My, my favorite was our independent bookstore is better than you. <laughs> <laughs> Last but, that person that yeah. made a $10 gift But we're card. biased. Yeah. yeah, we're biased. Um, It wasn't yeah. us. Yeah, did you have like a, were any of those? Like, oh, yeah. I any of those? Yeah, we'll like, make. Oh, that was cool. Yeah, I think we make like. 12 or 14 from that like normally you made 12 or 14 shirts from Ames I guess I but what's gonna be the window slogan I know that's what we have to figure out so we're not I mean we do some planning but not enough planning to be like well we open in like a week and a half what's our <laughs> like <laughs> window open display in a week and a half I think we're going to open probably like June 26th. So the 26th you're going to open tentatively I think so yeah yeah I mean it is we we picked our date and it was just like this is our date yeah and it happened i remember and i don't know if you had a moment like this when you opened smash but we had made all these preparations done a shit ton of work been working for months and months and months to get ready it was pandemic time too so it's a little strange and i remember when we opened the doors and we were open i was like oh my god i didn't even think about what it was going to be like when someone came to the counter and bought something yeah was that weird yeah, the whole thing. I mean, I had never like worked in a retail yeah, store me neither. before opening it. So <clears throat> the first cash register I ever used was the one I bought at like Office Max to operate <laughs> the original store. And I, you know, I don't know. Again, I think you, you know, you kind of get used to it. By that time, I had done so many projects and things that I wasn't necessarily qualified for that it didn't seem all that strange. But you're like, I, you had the confidence to be like, I'll figure it out. Yeah, a little bit. Or it's hard to know whether it's like confidence or just lack of self-awareness <laughs> or, you know, lack of assessing risk. I mean, if you were a good, if you could realistically assess risk, you would not start a company. 
So there is agreed. Like if you, someone said, literally we went to a conference and we're like, it was so pathetic. We were at a industry wide bookseller conference and it was like a financial guy who was talking about like different financial risks. Like, should you open that next door name? Should you open a pop-up store? Should you expand to children's books? And basically like every single thing was like, no books suck. No books suck. (laughs) It was like, if you listen to that shit, you would never do it. You just have to do it. You have to be the exception. Yeah, I mean, even I, you know, even a successful company, you know, in retail, what do you get? Like a four or five percent return. Like this is good. Yeah, six percent is great. Eight percent is unbelievable in retail. Of even the biggest guy, like you know, a company like Patagonia is at like a four percent return. I mean, you can stick your money in the stock market and just an index fund and yeah. get a seven percent return. You already um, know more than me. But it's not Patagonia. I mean, it's just. <laughs> yeah, you didn't do it. It's one of those you things. You did nothing. You again, sat on your like, butt. Yeah, if you're doing it for like the money, that's not why you should be doing it. I mean, there's plenty of other ways to like make money and make more money. But there's, I don't know. It, so again, it it is, there is no way to like fully calculate, you know, the value of the place or the project. Um, that makes me think of my favorite children's book, Miss Rumpheus by Barbara S. Cooney. And if you have a daughter, she should own it, even if she's grown. But, um, Miss Alice Rumpheus, um, grows up painting, paintings and carving ship prows with her grandpa, um, on the East coast. And she says, I want to be just like you when I grow up. I want to travel to faraway places. I want to live by the sea. He says, that's all very fine but you must find a way to make the world more beautiful. So you could stick your money in the stock market and make 7%, or you can create Ray Gun and make 4%, but you made the world more beautiful. You achieved it. You did it. Yeah. I mean, and it's just kind of an interesting life. I I don't know. And they, so there's no, and there's some people who, you know, are not going to get it. And that it's like the community, fuck that. <laughs> what has <laughs> the community done for me lately? And there are people who are more, you know, like return based, but it's again, why you don't meet a lot of people who own like t-shirt shops and yeah. uh, like bookstores and who play in bands or open really yeah, great I mean, local we, restaurants, but they're not like, they're not hanging out with, like, they're get rich doing this. Yeah. I mean, but they're not like but. spending their time hanging out with like bankers and private equity yeah. people no. on the weekend. They're, we're not all high five and be like my favorite people, private yeah, equity. No, no. It's or with just, the cool people. It's people who see the world differently and there's like value in things and. There's this story, and I'm pretty sure it's true, but yeah, whatever. It sounds good. And it's like <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut and Joseph Heller are at like a party in Manhattan. And there's like a bunch of investment bankers at the party. And this is like just after Joseph Heller has written Catch-22 and it's like mm-hmm. a bestseller. And they were talking to an investment banker and he leaves. And Kurt Vonnegut was like, doesn't it ever like piss you off that those guys are going to make more in a year than we'll make in a lifetime from writing? And mm-hmm. Joseph Heller was like, no, because I have something they'll never have enough mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, Joseph Eller, snap. Yeah, yeah. And you do think about that. It's like knowing, you know, again, like limiting yourself creatively, but it's also knowing like when to stop yourself of like what you actually want. And looking back at the very beginning of me thinking that I wanted to apply for a f- like master's in international relations or possibly go to law school. It's like, holy shit, how little did I know about myself? I had lived in my own brain for 21 years no. and I somehow thought I should be a lawyer. Yeah. I just, 
And it's not that being like my dad is a lawyer. So it's not that lawyers are bad. It's just that personality wise was like not made to be a lawyer. And even when I asked my dad, I was like, I don't know. Should I go to law school? He was like, well. <laughs> and you're like, well, that's a long pause. And he's like, well, why don't you like stop going to school for a while and do just something? See. He's like, just do anything yeah. else and see if you want to be a lawyer later. Yeah. And so it's, you often just, you, you know, your mind can trick you into like, well, I have this, but I, you know, should have that or this is what I want. And you always have to kind of like break down, you know, the company the same way. It's like, all right, well, what do we do at our like core? And like, what do we do well? And should we keep doing that? And then you think about stuff and think to yourself like, well, what type of person am I? And what do I enjoy doing during the day? And I often will say, it's like, God damn, I wish I were the type of person who would like hanging out on a beach or like sailing or playing golf. And I do for like a little bit, like the first seven holes of golf. I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. And then by 18, (laughs) you're like, are we still out here? Yeah. And you kind of have to recognize that it's like, well, what am I working towards? It's like, is it to sell ray gun to go like play golf? And yeah. then you're like, oh, wait, I just remembered. I, I fucking like hate golf. golf. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, the only time that I'm like really enjoying myself is when you are like in the community, when you're working with other people and when you're creating something. And so as shitty as it is, you're like, oh, I guess I'm stuck. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm here. Um, that segues very nicely to what we should have asked you first. What are you reading? Or what do you like to read? What do I read right now? I yeah, read like what book is open? Yeah. Do you well, have I mean, the an book, open book? Yeah. So the book that's open currently is called Mayflower. And the author is Rebecca oh, I... something. It's yeah. like a new ish book about yeah. like early settlement. And so um what made you pick it up? Well, it was at uh, my parents' house oh, and I needed, I, I needed it. to read a book and they've got a bunch of books there. And I was like, oh, I'll take this one home this with me. This looks good. Nathaniel Philbrick? No, that's no. another. So I've read that one, which kind of made me want to read another Are book about totally the Mayflower. Are you totally into the Mayflower? No, again, it's like sometimes <laughs> like what, I think my dad gave me the Nathaniel Philbrick Mayflower one, um, which is, Rebecca yeah, Rebecca Fraser's book Mayflower. Oh yeah. Okay. So you're into nonfiction. Yeah. So I read almost exclusively nonfiction. And Do you want to come work for us? Well, my wife reads nothing but fiction, <laughs> so it's kind of handy because my wife will summarize all the fiction books for me, and then <laughs> I'll like, fill her in on nonfiction yeah, stuff. So go. we make a good team. <laughs> and so yeah, that's the one I'm like reading um, now. I'm trying to think of which I finished just before that. My brain has like turned into like 25 percent applesauce over the last several years, and it is funny of like. When you're in college, you're just reading all the time, yeah. retaining tons and tons of information. That's what and we're I'll, forced to do, yeah. And I'll sometimes, uh, now I'm like reading a book and I'll like start on the wrong page and finally realize that I've like read those pages and you're like, oh, damn it. Did <laughs> I read like, oh, this? It's like a whole new book. Yeah. I, was like, I read this just last week. <laughs> yeah. Like, why isn't anything sticking in here? But I well, enjoy while I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm having a great time while I'm reading. Okay, I'm just so not you're sure it's all sitting in. that we need to have a really good history section to lure you in. We have recently been told... We've recently been told, <laughs> and we are going to do a TikTok video on a boat about it, <laughs> that we are two shipwreck, high seas. Maritime. Maritime in our, in our history. Section. We have a oh, lot of they, stuff about hmm, like shipwrecks is, and shit. Which shit. you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't expect in like the middle of Same. Iowa that it'd be so I don't so, know. I like, think because that's nautical. like a lot of the history. If I'm going to read a history book, I'm like, I want a shipwreck. <laughs> I want a shipwreck. I mean, um, for me, I like, if, if you're going to like pick a section of history, I like 
either biographies mm-hmm. or really limited eras. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, and it's only because I don't like the ones that are um, like huge and expansive uh, and try to tie everything together. Yeah, it's too much. Because there's so many, it's like, uh, this is like the historical trend. And you're like, well, what about these things? Eh, don't worry about those. Yeah. Whereas usually when you get into like the minutia of a biography, it, deals with the complexity of like people's lives and yeah. it kind of does get into the whole like you know banning books and reteaching american history and things like that and that you know i've read read a couple biographies of like george washington who's kind of this like endlessly fascinating guy and people will say well you know yeah they owned slaves but it was a different era and you know both of those things are true and at the same time you said yeah but he freed his slaves when he died so obviously he's wrestling with something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's a different era, but he's still a human and knows there's something wrong about it. But at the same time, he needs the slaves for like economic benefit. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, does it either cheapen George Washington to not make him out to be this like infallible character? Or do you realize, well, yeah, people are struggling with the same things. Mm-hmm. And then you start thinking about like your own life of like, well, okay, well, you're obviously against slavery. It's like 2023. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what are some things that are, would be financially difficult for you to do, yeah. but morally correct? And right. how are people going to look on those decisions right. in the future? Yeah. It's interesting to look at history through that lens with a flexible mind not just comparing it to contemporary times, but the men of their time and what they were like, that's truly looking at history is like, and as people of our time, like, how are we responding? Yeah. How are we responding now? When it's like the complexity and the idea that like, Oh, well, you're not going to be able to handle, um, (laughs) like kids aren't going to be able to handle the complexity of it. And it's just one of those things of, you know, it's Oh, they can handle so much more than we can. Their brains are so much better than ours. (laughs) It's our inflexibilities. It's our intolerances that are, you know, just putting all these walls up for them. When there was this, there's this book about, it's like the, one of the very first memoirs written about the second world war. And it's by this guy like Eugene B. Sledge. And he wrote it because, you know, it was during the Vietnam war and there was like a, TV thing about the second world war. And they said, well, you know, the hard thing is that in Vietnam, you don't know who the enemies are and it's so complicated. Whereas like, you know, the second world war was a good war and it was right and wrong. And it was like simple. And I guess Eugene Sledge like said out loud, like, Oh, that's bullshit. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't. (laughs) And his kids were like, what do you mean? And he's just like, it was horrible. Like, I didn't know why I was there. And they're like, well, you should, you should write it down. You should tell people. And so he wrote one of the first second world war memoirs And it came out of this era of people were trying to like simplify and make the war into something like it wasn't. And he was like, oh, it was like hell. All of like all of us, all we wanted to do is go home. Nobody was like doing cartwheels being like, isn't this great? We're fighting. (laughs) There's going to be movies made about us one day. I know. And so you, whenever you like fully embrace the complexity of like history, you realize that, oh, even in like modern times, you know, it seems like the path forward is difficult and it only seems like the path forward way back when was simpler because it's already we're been charted. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like we're pat yeah. you get to glaze over all the little things. So I feel like you're an optimist. Are you an optimist? Cause I'm getting so many 
like it'll be okay vibes from you. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's like any entrepreneur, you fluctuate between like anything is possible and this is the start of the death spiral. What the fuck am I doing? Hope everyone's having fun. Yeah. This is our last I'm an seven months. And I have anxiety. Yeah. Time to start moving everything into my wife's name and get a divorce and hopefully the bank can't find it. And oh my god. Better ask the lawyer if I can it's like, can I keep my house in bankruptcy? Yeah, they can't take it from you. All right, well that's good news. Okay. Right. I had gone to law school, I Phew. know this. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, just like if you're gonna pick a lane, I don't know, I may as well pick yep. optimism. But you always realize like how close you are when you think, you know, how few people it takes to like change like a state, a neighborhood, anything. I mean, even looking back at like the East Village's development, you remove 15 people from the Mm -hmm. equation and the whole neighborhood will look different. Different. And so, you know, who shows up and when and Mm -hmm. what that leads to you realize like just the immense power of like individuals just doing things and Which what it leads to. Which is why we're so glad you're coming. I know what it's why. It's yeah. like, it's like when someone shows up in your corner, do you know what I mean? You're like, Ooh, I poked the bear and I forgot to bring my entourage <laughs> and I, I don't, I haven't been having that feeling. Well, you know, we, we got it. We got it. We're good. But we like to have a little bit of an entourage in the kind of tone we're setting for our town <laughs> and the boldness of the way we like to live. And, you know, we got a friend down the street. And well, it's nice to have. It. Yeah. I mean, and it's nice to have like fans, but it's also nice to have like participants. And that's how we look at, you know, pretty much any neighborhood we've opened up in beyond Des Moines is yeah. that you realize, oh, there's a lot of people that have put a lot of work into it. And it's our job to come in and be like, oh, we love what everyone else has built and we would also like to participate. And it's not saying, all right, we're landing here just to take from other people's work. It's to say, well, we would like to add something. And it's not even to say like, oh, this is how it's done. It's to be like something here already exists and we want to participate. And I think any neighborhood and any organization always wants participants, you know, whether it's like a yes. neighborhood or whether it's a group, it's like, God. So if you are, you know, anybody out there, like just come and participate either yeah. as a business owner, as a consumer, as a supporter of some kind, like standing up and being counted goes a long ways. It I mean, does. Cause we're a community together. Like I feel like this district and probably true of East village and any sort of like local shopping district, it's like we're 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 on the, we're all on the same team. Like yeah, you do well, I do well. Like, yeah, you know. When you do so. remember, you know, when I opened, I was the only employee at the store for the first two years. So you open the store, close the store. You know, I printed every shirt, rang up every sale, clogged the unclogged the toilet after you clogged the toilet. You know, <laughs> you know who Jeez, you man. are. You know, there would be days where you have three people would come in the store. And if two of them are together, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a lot of time to sit and think how you should have gone to law school. And so <laughs> somebody, you know, might've come in and bought like a hundred dollars worth mm-hmm. of stuff at Ray Gun in 2006. And mm-hmm. I will remember that person forever. I know. Yeah. I mean, they might have been the one person that I was like, all right, I'll keep doing this for another month. I know. And so no matter how little uh, you might think like, oh, this gesture is like too small, depending on where that person is, I mean, they might carry it with them for like decades. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I was, when I was playing music one time, I played, I, when I first got to the UK to like, I did a show and it was like just an open mic night. And, um, 
And my shtick was like kind of funny songs, which did well. Like, I don't know. I'd kind of built up enough of a following in like Philly. And um, I guess funny songs were not the thing of the particular bar I was into. Like nobody <laughs> applauded. I just wasn't it? Nobody even booed. People were kind of just waiting for me to be done. done. So no like tenacious diva. Yeah. It was like, yeah. And so, um, and I thought, yeah, maybe I'm just not going to do music here this year. <laughs> And then I was out one night and um, this like girl stopped me and she's like, oh, my God, you played at like Aikman's the other night, didn't you? And I was like, uh, yeah. She's like, oh, it was so great. <laughs> You're like, what, where were you sitting? Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I didn't even I see didn't know. smile. And she's like, what are you going to like play again? It'd be great to come and like see you. You're like, oh, um, I, I think I'll go there next week. You're like this one person who I don't, I think I never saw her again. Don't know who she was. Just happened to bump into me and said like three sentences Ended up like changed my entire trajectory of that whole year was like oh. not going to play music anymore because you're like, eh, you're I guess done. people aren't into it. And so just, you know, showing up and supporting and participating like in any way goes like so far. If your average person like knew the power that they held when people are like, what should I do to like make a difference? It's like, just find anything you support yeah, and email them and be like. You do a such fan. a great job. I love you. Yep. Pats on the back. Gold I don't, stars. I don't need anything from you. I'm just yeah, saying I like, appreciate you. keep on keeping on. Okay. So how this is, this can round us up. Unless we come up with more questions. Which oh, we yeah. could forever. We might have to have you back again. Um, <laughs> this is a silly question because I feel like how can you be prepared for what's going to happen when you open? I'm just telling you, you better have a ton of shit and a lot of people working. It's going to be <laughs> in, one, insane. I know one of our former booksellers is going to be working at the store and you've got, you got amazing. Ava Anderson. She oh, is yeah. hired on as she is killer. Like she is 10 years wiser beyond her years. The most mature, like uh, so proud. And in full circle moment, she was my student when she was a seventh grader. And I oh, crazy. Her boss. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and, and now she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so you better be ready because people are excited. But how how can I support you? Like, what are you looking forward to about your growth into AIMS? Uh, you and know, your parents meeting here. I mean, oh, that's yeah. A full circle moment. I mean, honestly, else? it's one of those things where you know, like I said, it's fun to be just like a participant of it's, you kind of know a community in just such a different way when you are like inside in it. of it and mm -hmm. operating, you kind of like know who runs stuff, you know, what's happening early on. And, you know, for me, that's kind of like endlessly interesting is how well you end up knowing like who owns what buildings you're and what's gonna going to be the on. characters. You're going to learn that, like, you know, like you start to learn all the, like, inside jokes that you're going to make use oh, yeah. of on all your shirts. All the drama. All the drama. Well, it's, it's <laughs> always like, it's nice because it, whether it's like here to Cedar Falls to even Andersonville in Chicago or yeah. Crossroads in Kansas City, you end up being kind of like a familiar participant. It's visiting the neighborhood is different as like a small business owner than just like a visitor. Although yeah. you'll never, you know, it never kind of comes close to like the neighborhood you inhabit. So like East yeah. Village of Des Moines where I started, you are... That's it your identity. This, well, and it's this like, I mean, for me personally, it's this tiny microcosm of yeah. like, you know, so-and-so had a restraining order against the guy next door <laughs> oh my because God, they I had a feud so over much. a wall. And it's literally like the, you know, 
one building owner next door and the guy who owns the restaurant got into this like battle royale over a wall oh and God, it was I like lawyers so were involved. And if you're from like the outside, it's like, oh, that restaurant's great. And yeah. that store next door is great. And you're like, oh, you only no, know. No, I've seen the kitchen. <laughs> I've seen how the sausage is made. Well, and so it is, you know, this tiny and it's all entrepreneurs. And yeah. so it's funny because it's like, oh, all these entrepreneurs should get together and do something. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, you're taking a whole group of people who are only doing their current jobs because they're not the best at working with other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you want them all to come together as a group and like I don't, delegate to a for. leader. That's Ellen is yeah. the leader. She goes to all the meetings. I cannot do meetings. <laughs> I cannot do committees. As I said, I'm a horrible employee, but I'm very, I hope I am enjoying, I'm being successful in being a bookseller. When it is, I think that's what makes the neighborhood interesting is that you have all these like independent, like strong-willed characters, which can lead to some, you know, interesting interactions on personal levels and sometimes not the best organization. But that's, I think, you know, the kind of energy you need to build like a a neighborhood. It's a great book. So we, I think, oftentimes like come in and just try to at least be, you know, like cheerleaders for like the neighborhood but also don't mind like getting involved in like civic issues. So we're not one of those places that like shies away, but you also realize like the importance of anything like, you know, zoning and traffic signs and bike lanes. I think that's so great too. And thank you for bringing that expertise to main street because you are involved in so many different local shopping districts. Hyper localism is your brand. Um, It's what you put on your shirts, but it's also the way you put your, business on the ground. And so bringing that to Ames and kind of having a voice in like, what could actually make this a more enjoyable area for people to walk around? Like, thank you. Yeah, no, I, we're excited to be here. And I, mean, I can't again, wait it's... to hear your dirty stories about like the, the wall <laughs> business that goes down. I, I can't oh, wait yeah. for the drama. It's going to be it's great. Like... We'll, we'll talk about it here, folks. You'll hear it next time. Yeah. Bubbles and books. It's like that, you know, we've been sworn to secrecy. I know. No, it's so yeah. good. The cabal, wait. remember, we're starting it. If oh, we have yeah. enough yeah. time. Yeah, that's true. If we have enough time. I don't think like there's time. It's Only like the, if there's time. It's like the eyes wide shut of business owners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know um, where it would take place though. Have we answered all our questions? I think so. Okay. I feel like we just harassed you. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think Reagan needs a pitch. It's ridiculous. It's such yeah. a gift to our community. You don't need advertising, but that's why we had you on. We we want people to know how excited we are that you're going to be a business partner down on Main Street with us. I'm going to buy 12 new T-shirts, apparently, plus the dog one for the farmer's market. Oh, yeah, the farmer's market dog one. Don't open on the 26th without that dog shirt because I'm coming to buy it. And my kids are going to buy it and all the kids are going to buy it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, I mean, we're excited about opening and again it's one of those things of you know people will think to themselves like oh well like you guys don't need it it's like well you know we don't exist just because of our own genius (laughs) we only exist because you know people come out and like support us and if you know you don't support other things like why would people support you so it's this you know of knowing kind of like your place and staying grounded and you kind of have to tell that every day like the people who work there it's like you know we should be just thanking the god of all liberal snowflakes that people come in and shop here i love being a delicate snowflake 
It's crybabies. We've been really lucky. I'm just going to say, like, we're two plus years in now and following your in your footsteps and following your model. We've lived very much by our beliefs um, and uh, our worldview and in support of the people we love and care about. And our community has supported us. And so I I think you'll get the same support. That's our hope. Like that. You oh, know. for sure. And downtown Ames is a great place to be. Yeah. yeah. And we're excited to be like one and a half blocks from you. So we'll be taking we're be there a lot. We'll be there a lot. <laughs> yeah. weather, weather permitting. Uh, weather non-permitting. <laughs> I'll come down the street in snow. We're Iowans, you know? Yeah. All weather. Sweat. Sweat weather now. That's one of my favorite things about your merchandise is capturing our weather. <laughs> The what the fuckness of it. Yeah, yeah, the what the fuck. Like no spring. Yeah, when it was um yeah, when the high was minus twenty, like four days before Christmas, mm-hmm. we were all in the store just like, fuck this place. I know. <laughs> like, I'm like, I have all this success, but we it's are, here. It's yeah, like one those day are the, before Christmas and like no one was coming in, but we were open because we're like, it's Christmas and you have to be open. And we're like doing a puzzle together. The staff yeah. is just doing a puzzle waiting for people to come in. That's kind of when, yeah, those are the times when my but when people are like, oh, does your wife like living here? And you're like, eh, depending on the weather. But whenever we go to just like uh humid surface of the sun yeah. to Antarctica, I think those are the times when she's getting a little squirrely. <laughs> um, with my empty glass, I'll say cheers to Reagan oh, coming yeah. to Main Street. Congratulations <laughs> on your ninth store. And um, as we say, keep the champagne flowing and the books going and the shirt selling. Yeah. God willing. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Remember, uh, subscribe, like, follow, because you want to find out what's happening in Dog Eared Books every single week. Yep. And if you don't live in Ames, you can always follow us on social or hit our website to order books. Follow us at at Dog Eared Books Ames or at Dog Eared Books on TikTok. All right, listeners, keep the champagne flowing and the books going. This is so great. It's so great. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha.